What's Cooking, supported by Auckland Art Gallery Toyo Tamaki. Become a member today for great art benefits. I am so excited because I am joined in the studio by Naviha Iqbal. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here in yeah. New Zealand and Auckland for the first time ever. Awesome. And you just played a show last night in Wellington. Yep. How did that go? It was really fun. Yeah, yeah it was such a good crowd and good energy. And yeah, I loved it. It was probably one of my favourite shows, actually. Mm. Just, and at the end, met, got, a, got the chance to meet a lot of the fans as well. Oh, um, awesome. Uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, cool. Uh, you were playing tonight at Neck of the Woods. Have you guys been there sitting up all afternoon? Yeah, we just I just finished doing the sound check now. Um, I'm not here with my full band. We've mm -hmm. got like a bit of a stripped back setup. So there's just two of us. So our load in and setup wasn't as long as it is usually because mm -hmm. we're not we haven't got a drama. Um, but yeah, it was all it was all good. Went smoothly and sounding good. Hopefully it'll sound good during the show tonight as well. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm pumped. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the album um, Dreamer. And just about kind of the writing process. I'm just going to lurch right into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of want to take us back to 2020, which I know for a lot of our listeners is was an interesting year. And you had an interesting year um, with obviously your studio got robbed and a lot of your things got stolen. And then you were in um, Pakistan for... COVID lockdowns, is that right? Yeah, so, I mean, it's just this whirlwind of a lot of <laughs> bad things that happened in quick succession. My music studio in London got burgled and I learned the hard way about not backing up because mm. I ended up losing two years worth of work and everything that I was working on, you know, in the anticipation of the second album. Mm. And then um, I think it was just literally the next day or the day after my granddad, in, who's in Pakistan, had a brain hemorrhage and was in hospital. It's quite serious. Luckily he recovered, but I mean, he's my favorite person in the world. So mm. suddenly that situation totally eclipsed the studio burglary and um, myself and my mum, we just traveled out to Pakistan last minute, like to go and see him. And, um, and, <laughs> and yeah, luckily he was better, he got better, but just, I think it was the day we were supposed to travel back to, um, London, Pakistan announced a really strict lockdown. Mm. And so then we ended up being there for two months. Wow. Yeah. Um, so at the time it felt a bit crazy because like mm. it was the first time I'd been abroad and I had actually no idea about when I could go back, mm. when the flights would open again. But it really turned out to be a blessing in disguise because um, I was actually feeling really ill as well from a lot of touring. Mm. I had burnout from so much touring during 2018 and 2019 and... It was actually having two months of just rest and good food and sunshine in Pakistan mm. that helped me get better. It was really nice to spend that much time with my grandparents because mm. it doesn't really happen that much these days. And um, on top of that, you know, once my granddad was out of hospital and I told him about what happened with my music studio, he was he was really like, look, you just have to carry on. Mm. Like, don't feel too depressed about it. Just move on and start again. And so um, I went and bought an acoustic guitar from a music shop mm. in Karachi and really just started working on that with, you know, and with making um, recordings on my phone, like voice memo recordings, mm. of just different ideas and things that were coming into my mind. And that was really the kind of like very 
beginning stage of dreamer and that's how it all started in in this constrained back to basics way Mm. but it was actually a very useful way I think of approaching the music Mm, again yeah yeah that's so cool and because obviously a lot of your music um kind of is quite electronic and kind of meshes the two together real instruments and electronic music was that doing really stripped back writing was that something that was quite new or was like quite old that you were coming back to and I mean process it's like nothing revolutionary it is the old school way but for me it was actually something new because maybe there's a lot of other electronic music producers that can relate but usually you know when you start and work on a new project you'll open up your laptop and Mm. you'll just start working on a new project and if you like it you'll just build up from there and if you don't you know you kind of start again kind of cut and paste move things around and um I was now in this situation where I couldn't do that because I didn't have any of my equipment I wasn't in my studio and actually I was also so traumatized about losing my work and not actually remembering all the things that I'd done because Mm. when you're working everything's being saved on the computer you might not be paying that much attention to exactly what chords you're playing Mm. what notes and things like that and I didn't want to be in that situation again so I actually, um, yeah, I just stuck to that, to that approach. And even when I got back to London for a long time, I was just using a guitar and loop pedal and still like rough phone recordings to get my ideas out. And that way I let all the songs, um, you know, just let them grow and shift Mm. and evolve and just change. And, and I think I did that for about eight months and then, and then started recording things in, Mm. in a more solid way after that. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, like grieving a project that's unfinished and then having to to start again. Yeah, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been, (laughs) but also potentially inspiring. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, at the time I really was, couldn't even speak. I was just in shock. And then people were trying to console me and say, oh, don't worry, like it'll turn out better the next time. Maybe Mm. it happened for a reason. And and I was getting really sick of people saying that to me. Yeah, no, totally. But actually now looking back with the hindsight, yeah, like the music definitely turned out a lot differently Mm. the second time around. And maybe it was meant to happen and like all of those kind of big moments of just kind of total despair Mm. and pain. Because I mean, that's just two things that happened, but a lot of other bad things happened during that time to me. And, uh, yeah, it was really difficult. And there Mm. was definitely times where I felt like I wasn't going to make any more music and was never going to finish the record. And I felt so low. And I never really felt like that ever before. And I never thought I would even feel so depressed Mm. because I always thought I was quite mentally strong. But, yeah, I was just not good at all. And then... But then this whole process of making the album actually taught me as well how resilient the human mind and the body can be Mm. because you can go from feeling that kind of extreme low to then actually figuring out something that works for you um for me it's like I went to the countryside out of London Mm. and just got away all by myself turned my phone off and then just used that time to like really focus on the music and Mm. just even the first few days of being there just thinking not even working just not putting any pressure just figuring out how I felt and what what my thoughts were Mm. And then and then sort of slowly, slowly getting into the getting myself into gear for making the music mm. and it worked somehow. <laughs> totally. And I think you see a lot of that kind of self-reflection within the songwriting as well. And you've described the album as quite introspective before. Um, and I totally see that listening to your first album, Weighing of the Heart and how I don't know, I, I guess I kind of see a lot of the lyrics as 
um, reflections on the world around you and this one kind of more being quite personal and vulnerable. Yeah, it's really personal. Yeah. It's really it's really personal and it's funny because when the record, I mean, in the run-up to the release, you know, it's all quite fresh and just... I was quite overwhelmed just by the feeling of having finished it. And every time I did an interview with a music journalist, and a lot of the times it was on Zoom, and they'd ask me, like, so what has making this record taught you about yourself? And I just burst into tears. <laughs> and then I could see that was really alienating this, you know, this guy who doesn't even know me. He's just looking at me on a computer screen. And they were like, oh, my God. But it's because there was just too much emotion in it. Now, yeah. now like, I, I did actually get emotional in an interview the other day in Sydney as well but I've got it way more under control but yeah it's just there's so much in this music for me because mm. it was so difficult for me to make and a lot of the themes and the things that I was thinking about when ma making it are quite like yeah quite deep for me anyway and mm. just very emotional does so. it feel quite strange revisiting it in a live setting and to a, a new kind of audience and sharing those quite vulnerable songs in that way um I wouldn't say strange. I would just say it feels amazing, like positive. Oh, it okay. feels so <laughs> amazing. I actually cannot describe the feeling because I've never felt like this before. Mm. And, um, you know, I've been touring straight since May 2023 and mm. I'm touring until the end of Jan and February I'm taking a break. And in that month, I need to just process everything I've been feeling mm. and figure out what a good way to describe it rather than just saying amazing all the yeah. time. Because honestly, you know, I feel so blessed that since putting the record out, I've been invited to, to play in so many places around the world. Mm. And every time, you know, the, the whole process of touring is so exhausting. People don't really see that side of it. Just it's very intense mm. on your mind, on your body, financially. Like it's a real investment of everything. And the thing that's been balancing it out has been the crowds at the mm. shows because every show I've played has just had such an amazing turnout in all different countries and the fans have been I don't know I can just see how they're connecting to the music and mm. at the end of each show people always come up to me to tell me about their own relationships to the music mm, and beautiful. the way they speak about my album and what it means to them is kind of like the way that I would speak about my favorite records by mm. my favorite artists and I actually you know for me as a music artist it's very surreal to see some that that kind of feeling being reciprocated between someone who's listening to my music and me and so um yeah I haven't really I I don't know how to explain it but mm. it's just the it's just amazing because it makes you realize the power of music and why I'm doing it and it, and the album's on its own journey and mm. for me to be sitting here on the most opposite side of the world to London right now yeah. and speaking to you and having already played in Wellington last night and playing tonight in Auckland it's just I feel so happy I just feel so happy and so grateful and also quite excited about what might happen next and I don't know it's making me feel like I'm doing the right thing and I just need to keep going mm. but you never know what's going to happen I said I've been thinking that like it, it doesn't matter if you're a small artist or a big artist when you're releasing a new record you don't actually know what mm. journey that music's going to go on is it going to like suddenly propel you into so many new listeners ears or is it going to kind of go unheard um and, and I don't know what other doors is it going to open for you no one really knows mm, totally. and so yeah I'm just I'm just happy and grateful and excited <laughs> those are the cool. three words cool I want to talk a little bit about um, you've been really busy 
and you have a really multifaceted kind of background in terms of your career, um, including a lot of radio time. Um, so anytime you want to come and take over and do a show on B, you're more than welcome. <laughs> um, but shows on NTS, BBC Radio 1, Asian Network and lots of other stations, as well as kind of a very broad range of um, interdisciplinary um, commission work, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. And I think that's something that's very relatable to a lot of musicians, especially in somewhere like Aotearoa where the scene is so small and everyone's kind of involved in lots of different ways. And um, I want to, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about that and if that's something that you think you kind of see for the rest of your career, you're always going to be kind of having fingers in lots of pies. Mm. Yeah, it's something that I, I never thought about consciously. I mm. think it's just because I'm such a music geek and, I, mm. you know, I'm so passionate about it. So if there's different avenues through which I can explore my love and relationship to music and also share the music that I'm enthusiastic about. I just want to be able to do that. Mm. So, you know, as a music artist, you, having the privilege and like the opportunity to make your own music and release it and, you know, pursue all of the things that come with that, where, you know, touring and recording and everything, you know, that's sort of one sphere of my music life. But then I feel really glad that I've got my radio show where I can share loads of different kinds of music that mm. I come across and speak about it and and hopefully get listeners interested in new things that they might not have heard before and then that's also different to me as a DJ because when you're DJing you know your main aim is to make people dance and to make mm. people feel good and that kind of determines the music that you'll play so you know some of the stuff that I'll play on my NTS radio show would definitely like like the like Siberian throat singing is not going to go <laughs> down well on the dance floor, but it's still so fascinating to hear. Yeah. And then when when I'm DJing at a festival or in a club, like I really love playing all different kinds of music that you wouldn't necessarily mix together, but that work and and just trying to just trying to like capture the audience's attention so that they're coming with you on that musical journey mm. and you're kind of taking them to unexpected places all the while making them dance and just like feeling the endorphins that you mm. get from a good night out. And then, um, and then, yeah, as you said, like interdisciplinary work is, is a big part of what I do, like collaborating with different artists mm. and curation. I mean, last year I got asked to be the guest director of Brighton Festival, which is the biggest arts festival in England. Wow. And it takes over the city of Brighton for a month. And that was kind of the biggest curatorial opportunity that I've had so far. And it was it was just amazing. That gave me a different it gave me a really strong sense of happiness in a different way because it was more about like inviting people who I'd worked with previously or people that I really respect, whether it was in music or literature or dance or visual art, and inviting them to all be a part of this artistic community for a month and mm. perform share their work and seeing seeing what they all got out of it and seeing the crowds that were attracted to each event and um it was really kind of it had a very celebratory feeling around it and mm. and then also actually just reinforced how much I think how much power I think is in in music and art more generally as well mm. awesome yeah that's so cool and I think yeah, your kind of um, mixed background in terms of all the things that you've been doing, you can definitely see how that comes together into such a unique sound for your music. Is that something that you're quite conscious of in terms of reflecting your songwriting and your lyrics, um, kind of having things quite diverse? Um, or is it just kind of something that comes quite naturally? 
Yeah, it's something that I, I probably don't think about it too consciously when I'm in the actual process of making the music. But for example, on this you know latest album, Dreamer, a lot of the lyrics are inspired by literature or mm. poetry that I've read. I always keep some poetry books in my studio because I find that, you know, there is always those times where you feel like you're up against a brick wall mm. and you're not really getting anywhere working on the music. And then in those moments of frustration, you need to take a break. But I want to make those sometimes, yeah, I just need to take a total break. But other times you're just sitting there. And I don't want to be sitting there like wasting time. Mm. And I find that just reading some poetry can be really inspiring and actually a good way to just, I don't know, approach your creativity slightly differently or mm. think of new ideas. And um, for this album, I was reading a lot of poetry by John Keats and also Lord Byron, still a lot of William Blake. That was for the first album too. And that's all inspired a lot of the music on there. And also um, reading Tess of the D'Urbervilles, which is a novel by Thomas Hardy mm. that inspired the first single, This World Couldn't See Us, mm. that came out from the record. And Absolute tune. Yeah. <laughs> when I at shows, when I actually talk uh, before we play the song, I, I talk a little bit about what it's about. Like <laughs> it, it's so depressing, and I can feel the crowd being like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize." This. <laughs> but I just have to. Yeah, I want to share those thoughts, you know, and yeah, like the totally. process behind it. So. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for joining me in the studio. It's been so lovely to chat and I'm so excited to see you play tonight at Neck of the Woods. I'm so excited too and thanks so much for having me on your radio show. Oh, that's all good. <laughs> um, anyone that's listening can still get tickets, I believe. Yeah, I think there's still tickets available, so get them if you can. From Banished Music, I believe. If you're not going, I don't know what you're doing because <laughs> I am and I'll see you there. Cool. Thank you so much, Nabiha. Thank you. What's Cooking? Supported by Auckland Art Gallery Toyo Tamaki. Become a member today for great art benefits.